First Peter three fifteen. First Peter three fifteen. He says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Is that what it says? Hmm? And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. These two, actually this is one sentence and it's packed. This poses some questions now. How do we sanctify the Lord in our hearts? How do we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts? And how do we give an answer to everyone that asks the reason for the hope that is in us? And what is the hope that is in us? Well, let's, the best place to start is with the first question. How do we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts? Well, in the Greek, sanctify is hagiazo. Hagiazo, H-A-G-I-A-Z-O. Hagiazo, sanctify. It means to be pure, to be holy, to be righteous. Hagiazo, to be pure, holy, and righteous. Romans 15, 16, don't go there, just write it down. Romans 15, 16, Paul tells us how to be sanctified. He says... We are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. We are sanctified by the Holy Ghost. There is only one way to be sanctified by the Holy Ghost too. There's only one way. You got to have His Spirit. One must be born again. Born of the water and of the Spirit to be sanctified and have the Holy Ghost. So being born again is how one sanctifies the Lord God in their heart. Hebrews 2.11. Hebrews 2.11. This is a powerful a statement. For both he that is sanctified and they that are sanctified are one. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. The he that sanctifies is the Holy Ghost. And they that are sanctified are those who hear the word of God and believe it. So you're sanctified by hearing the word of God and believing it. But you can't be sanctified unless you have the sanctifier. Because the Holy Ghost is the sanctifier. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed. Sanctify them through thy word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Now in this passage, the thy is the Holy Ghost again. For it is by his word that one sanctifies the Lord in their hearts. That is to say, one is sanctified because they have been born again according to the word that is truth. One is made pure and holy and righteous because they believed and accepted the word that is truth. We just heard it said, for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all one. That's interesting to note, though, 
that when one is sanctified now, they have a unique relationship with the Holy Ghost. They are one with him because they are sanctified by his word that is truth. They are one with him because they are sanctified by his word that is truth. Go to 1 John 3.22. 1 John 3.22. Go there. He reveals this truth. He says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. Is that what it says? And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. Why? By the spirit which he hath given us. Spirit is capitalized, isn't it? So we're talking about the Holy Ghost. So here now, we see there are benefits to being sanctified. Because sanctified means a soul is one with the Holy Ghost and whatsoever they ask of him, they receive. However, there is a qualifier here, isn't there? We ask and we will receive. Why? There's a qualifier. It says, John says, they receive what they ask. Why? Because they keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. There's a condition here. If you want him to answer and give you what you ask for, you must keep his commandments and you must do what's pleasing in his sight. Is that what it says? 1 Peter 3.12 says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Well, to be sanctified is to be righteous. And to be righteous is to be sanctified. And we cannot be righteous unless we are sanctified. So by being righteous and keeping our Lord's commandments, listen, listen. He is mindful to us and he will answer our prayers. You got your prayer answered immediately, didn't you? He's receptive to our prayers. He will listen. His ear is attuned to the righteous. When you speak to the Lord, he hears you. You belong to him. So by being, by being righteous and keeping our Lord's commandments, whatsoever we ask of him, we shall receive. He is actively attentive to our needs. Why? Because we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And he has given us the spirit of sanctification, which enables us to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The Lord will not ask you to do something that he has not equipped you to do. So if he wants you to do something that is pleasing in his sight, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you the spirit and the ability to do what is pleasing in his sight. Does that make sense to you? Philippians 2.13 says, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh both in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. For it is God 
which worketh in you both to will and to do his good. He gives you the will to do it and he gives you what you need to do to do his good pleasure. And you know what? We cannot do his will and his good pleasure unless what? We are sanctified. Hebrews 13.20. Hebrews 13.20. Go there. I hope you're getting something out of this. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Is that what it says, Sister Cooper? Working in you. What is he working in you? That which is well-pleasing in his sight. How? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So what we see here then is that by sanctification of his spirit, the God of peace, the Holy Ghost, gives us the desires to do things that are pleasing because our natural inclinations are to do otherwise. I'm going to say that again. He gives us the sanctification of his spirit. The Holy Ghost gives us the desire to do things that please him because our natural inclination is to do otherwise. Roman 8, 7, Roman 8, 7 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in their flesh cannot please God. So when you're in your flesh... You cannot please him. When you are doing things according to the desires of your flesh, you are not pleasing God. But you know why? Because your flesh can't be sanctified. It's impossible for your flesh to be sanctified. Your soul is sanctified and your soul is sanctified so you can have some power over your flesh. I hope that made sense to you. He says it is not subject to the law of God. He says neither indeed can be. Your flesh cannot do the word will, will of God. Did you get that? Your flesh cannot do the will of God. It is impossible for your flesh to do the will of God. The desire of your flesh is not to please God. The desire of your flesh is to please yourself. Hmm. And no one knows better than God. You know why? Because he didn't die to save your flesh. He did not die to save your flesh. He died to save your soul because your flesh is a lost cause. Christ died to save our eternal souls. Now, Peter, we heard Peter say, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Why? Because it is by the sanctification of the Holy Ghost dwelling in our souls that we have the desire to do things that are pleasing in his sight. By the sanctification of the Holy Ghost dwelling in our souls, we have the ability now to keep his commandments. We have the ability to love one another. We have the ability to be followers of that which is good. And by the sanctifying influence of the Holy Ghost dwelling in our souls, we can, listen to me, by the the sanctifying influence of the Holy Ghost dwelling in our souls, we can overcome the carnal desires of our flesh and we can live godly. Yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. 
And Peter assures us that there are benefits to living godly. And I say that all the time. You hear me say, I say built into the word of God is a good life. All you got to do is do it. First Peter 3.13, he says, And who is it he that will harm you, Sister Mint, if ye be followers of that which is good? But if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. In other words, if you are a follower of that which is good, then the Lord is mindful of you, Sister Nina. He's receptive to your prayers. If you are a follower of that which is good, he is actively attentive to your needs. If you are a follower of that which is good, then you have his spirit dwelling in your soul and you sincerely desire to do that which is pleasing in his sight. And therefore, who can come against you? Who can come against you and do you harm? Romans 8.31, Paul says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Sanctification is a wonderful gift. It is truly a gift. Mm, It means God is for you. It means he's on your side. He takes care of his sanctified folks. You know why they call us saints? You know why they call us saints? Because we're sanctified. You can only be a saint if you're sanctified. And you can only be sanctified if you have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you ain't a saint, you an ain't. Hmm. So the point here is that if you are righteous because you are sanctified, then you really, really have his spirit. And you sincerely desire to keep his commandments. Doesn't mean you always will, but you sincerely desire to. And he said, if we if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's to the saints. That's not to the ain'ts. Therefore, you are confident now that God is for you and nothing in this evil and wicked world shall conquer you. You are confident that because you are sanctified and righteous, he will guide you to all truth because that's what he promised. He said, I will guide you and lead you to all truth. Why? Because when you have the Holy Ghost, you have the spirit of truth and the spirit of truth can guide you to truth because you can't see truth unless you got the spirit of truth dwelling in you. Hallelujah. You are confident that because you are sanctified and righteous, listen, he will not withhold any good thing from you. Isaiah 54, 7. Isaiah 54, 7. No weapon. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shall condemn. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is the heritage of the saints. And their righteousness is of me. Their sanctification is of me, saith the Lord. And notice the Lord clearly reveals why no weapon formed against the righteous shall prosper. He says this is their heritage. This is the inheritance of those who have been born of the water and sanctified by the Spirit. This is the benefit of those who are truly the children of the Lord. This is the benefit of those who have the Spirit of righteousness dwelling in their souls. And what is that benefit? No weapon formed against us shall ultimately succeed. Mm. Well, And we know why. Because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. He's speaking from experience. From being young to being old, he has never been forsaken. Why? Because he's righteous. God will not forsake the righteous. Let me tell you, God cannot forsake the righteous. Because if he forsook the righteous, then he would cease to be God and he would go back on his word. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that what he said? I will never leave you or forsake you. So he cannot go back on his word. So once you're sanctified, he cannot forsake you. The righteous ones, the sanctified ones, we belong to him. The righteous ones, what? We're his sanctified body. We're the sanctified body of the Lord. We form the church he purchased with his own blood. Now we heard Peter say, be ready always to give an answer. To every man that asketh, asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. In other words, don't be self-righteous. And, and be respectful to that person who's asking you. And this leads us to our final question. How do we give an answer to everyone that asks the reason for the hope that is in us? How? And sister minister, what is the hope that is in us? Well, earlier we learned that we are sanctified by the word that is truth, right? Well, what is the word that is truth by which we are sanctified? The word that is truth is the apostolic doctrine. The truth of God revealed through the advent of Christ Jesus. John said Jesus is the word, didn't he? And then Jesus said, I am the truth. Therefore, if Jesus is the word and Jesus is the truth, then Jesus is the word that is truth. Therefore, the word that is truth by which we are sanctified is Christ Jesus. He's the word that is truth and he's the word that was made flesh. First John 520. First John 520, he says. And we know that the son of God is come. And hath given us an understanding. Why, John? 
that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Is that what it says? Yes, sir. And we know that the son of God is come and hath given us an understanding. And you know that's a benefit of being sanctified because he gives you an understanding that comes along with your sanctification. Yes. That we may know him that is true. You can't know him unless you're sanctified. And we are in him that is true. You can't be in him unless you're sanctified. Even his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. You can't have eternal life unless you're sanctified. Now some believe that the apostolic faith is a denomination. We are not a denomination. You know what a denomination is? A denomination is a religious grouping within a faith that has its own system of organization. We don't have our own system of organization. We are not the authors of the doctrine that we believe. 2 John 1.9, 2 John 1.9. He says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ... Has not God. There's a whole lot of transgressors out there. Calling themselves. I don't know. He says they have not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ. He hath both the father and the son. Why? Because the father is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was in Jesus. So he says. Those who abide in the doctrine of Christ have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. They are righteous because they are sanctified by the word that is truth. Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, in this context, faith in the Greek is pistis. Pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. Listen, it's the religious belief of real Christians. It's the religious belief of real Christians. It is the doctrine we believe. Christ is the author of the doctrine that we believe. Hebrews 3.1, Hebrews 3.1. You need to have this in your, in your brain locker. Hebrews 3.1, this. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, We've taken up the the heavenly invitation. What does it say next? Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Who is that? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our profession. Is that what it says? Hebrews 3.1. So in this context, profession is the doctrine we believe. So if we put these truths together, they indicate that the apostle Christ Jesus has revealed his doctrine. He is the apostle and author of the doctrine he has revealed. Now, if Christ is the apostle of the doctrine he has revealed, then the doctrine that Christ has revealed is apostolic because he's an apostle. He's the apostle that revealed the doctrine. Uh 
So the apostolic faith we follow is not according to our system of organization. The apostolic faith we follow is according to the apostolic doctrine of the apostle Christ Jesus. And we are not a denomination. All those others are derivatives of us. Our church was started by the Apostle Jesus Christ. Our, our church was not started by Mason. Our church was not started by Luther. Our church was not started by any of them charlatans and demons. We have the real church. We are the sanctified body of the apostolic church of Jesus Christ. And we will always stand on it. And we don't care who doesn't like it. We don't care. We believe in the baptism in the name of Jesus. We believe in the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Evidenced by speaking in tongues. And if you haven't done that, you ain't sanctified. And if you ain't sanctified, you ain't saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John says, if we abide in the apostolic doctrine of Christ, that is to say, if we have an abode with Christ according to his doctrine, then we have the Father. And we have the Son. Why? Because the Father and the Son, as Jesus said, we are one. We have Jesus who, whose death paid the penalty for our sins. We have the Holy Ghost whose blood shed for our redemption. That was the blood of the Holy Ghost that ran out of the body of Jesus. It says the Holy Ghost purchased the church of God with his own blood. It says the blood of Christ came, blood came through the eternal spirit. The Holy Ghost is the eternal spirit. But it also says the blood of Jesus. So if it's the blood of Jesus and the blood of Christ and the eternal spirit and the Holy Ghost, then they're all one. So the Holy Ghost has a name, doesn't he? His name is Jesus. And I say it all the time. Yeah, they say we're Jesus only. Who else is there? Who else is there? Who who did they whip all night long? Who carried that cross up the hill? Jesus. Who did they nail to the cross? Jesus. Whose whose body was pierced in his side? Jesus. Whose blood came streaming down? Jesus. Whom did they lay in the tomb? Jesus. Who got up on the third day? Jesus. 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 There is no other name by which anybody can be sanctified except the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So now understanding these truths is crucial to our ability to receive and apply what Peter said. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. We understand that. And be ready always to give an answer to everyone that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We heard it. He said, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. We know how that works. Hold Christ and your desire for spiritual things in the sanctuary of your soul. Did you know your soul is a sanctuary? Hold Christ and your desire for spiritual things in the sanctuary of your soul. Be mindful. Be mindful of the sanctity that is dwelling in you. You are sanctified. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. A tabernacle is temporary. A temple is permanent. Know ye not that your body, and he's not talking about your body of flesh, because your flesh, your Holy Ghost will not dwell in your nasty body. 
He's talking about the body of your soul is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Why? You are bought with a price. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 6.19 So Paul says, your spiritual body. Your soul is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. That's why, that's why you gotta be baptized in His name first. You gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be clean in there. He can't, he can't come into no nasty place. That's why all them demons have got to go. He says, your, your spiritual body, your soul is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. He purchased you. He purchased you with His blood. Therefore, glorify him, extol him, worship him in the temple of your soul and in the motivation of your being. Why? Because you belong to him. Worship him in the temple of your soul and in the motivation of your being. What is my motivation? To do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The righteousness in your soul and, and, and the righteousness in your soul is the desire to do things that are pleasing in his sight. And you know where they come from? They come from him. Uh-huh. They come from him. Yes, 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 yes. We heard Peter say, be ready always, uh-huh. always, always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you. He says, be ready. Uh-huh. According to Webster, it means be prepared. Uh-huh. Ready means be willing. Ready means be able to quickly produce. Well, you know, you know, uh, you know, Cerise, there's something really different about you. What is it? What is it? Something that you, there's something real. I'm sanctified. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus because Jesus died for me. And you know what? He died for you too. What I have, you can have too. That's what's different about me. That's the reason for the hope that is in me. It's that simple. It's that simple. So thus he says, at all times, all times, at all times, be always be willing, at all times be able, ready, and be always ready to quickly to give an answer to anyone that asks the reason of the hope that is in you. I notice that it's so much going on here at the job, and people are running around crazy, but you seem to be so calm. You seem to be so, so, so cool and collected. Well, baby, I'm sanctified. I can't be anything else but collected. Because I got the collector in me. So what is the hope that is in you? Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. I hope you're getting something out of this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing that ye may abound in hope. How? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. So in your sanctification, there is hope. In your sanctification, there is joy. In your sanctification, there is peace. In your sanctification, and your sanctification comes from the power of the Holy Ghost. So we understand that the Holy Ghost is the God of hope. 
And in this context, what is hope? Hope is optimistic expectation. Optimistic means you're eagerly looking forward. You've got a bright thought about it. You're, 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 you're energetic about it. You've got a positive attitude about it. And expect you're expecting it. Therefore, the Holy Ghost now is the God of optimistic... Sometimes I speed. The Holy Ghost is the God of optimistic expectation that dwells in your soul. That's the hope that is in you. The God of hope is in you. So how can you be hopeless if you got the God of hope in you? And Peter says at all times we must be prepared to give an answer to anyone that asks why we are hopeful in this hopeless world. At all times, we must be willing to explain in rational language why the God of optimism, optimistic expectation dwells in our souls. And at all times, we must be able to explain why in the midst of death, in the midst of destruction, in the midst of this miserable world, we are not without hope. Yes, yes, yes. You know why? Because Jesus told us all this was going to happen. He says there'll be nation against nation. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famine. There'll be pestilence. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be hurricanes. Can you imagine there's a a famine of baby formula? A famine of baby formula. 20 million people in the Ukraine have been murdered. Tens of thousands of them have been displaced. Children in, 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 in Africa, in the Central Africa, are literally starving to death by the thousands. There's an evil man, evil presence, that is trying to destroy Eastern Europe. There is COVID. There's all kinds of diseases. Babies are getting hepatitis and dying. Jesus says, but when you see all of this, This is just the beginning of sorrow, but don't lose hope because these are the signs that I'm coming. You just look up because your redemption draweth nigh. So we see all of this and we see it with a different eye. We see this world with a sanctified eye and we know it's all letting us know that he's coming to get us real soon. Mm. Because he is the word that is truth. And his word will not return unto him void. He knows the end from the beginning. So the first answer is that the Holy Ghost is the hope that is in us. And he's the reason for the hope that is in us. The Holy Ghost is the hope that is in us. And he's the reason for the hope that is in us. He filled us with hope. And by his power, we abound in hope, he says. We abound in it. Next, Hebrews 11.1. 1. You getting tired? Where, am I wearing you out? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith mm-hmm. is the substance yes, is. of things hoped for. Yes, Lord. The evidence of things not seen. Come on, Pastor. Now, we hear this passage frequently, erroneously perverted and corrupted. And most often it is explained as my faith is the substance and the evidence of the new car that I'm going to get. My faith is the substance and evidence of the job I'm going to get that I'm not qualified for. My faith is the substance and the evidence 
of the money that's going to come to me now. My faith is the substance and evidence of the successful business that I'm going to have. In other words, it's often explained as my faith is the substance and evidence of whatever my carnal mind desires. Now, there's nothing wrong with hoping for financial and material success because it means one has optimistic expectations about their future. But this is not the purpose of faith. Faith is spiritual. Faith is a spiritual thing. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says faith is a spirit. Hebrews 12.2, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Romans 12.3, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So if faith is a spirit that comes from God, and if Jesus is the author and finisher of faith, then it must follow that the faith God gives is for spiritual things exclusively. If if faith is a spirit that comes from God, and if Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, then it must follow that the faith God gives is for spiritual things exclusively. Therefore, according to Hebrews 11.1, what we hope for must be spiritual. Our faith must be the substance and the evidence of the spiritual things we have an optimistic expectation for. So when we are asked to explain the reason for the hope that is in us, we must be prepared, willing, and able to explain it on a spiritual level according to the word of God that is truth. Why? Because the word of God that is truth is the foundation of our faith. The word that is truth is the foundation of all spiritual things. The word of truth that is of truth is the foundation of all spiritual things. Therefore, if faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, then the main ingredient in the substance of our faith is the word of God that is truth. And what we hope for is what the word of God has revealed. The word of God has been given us so that we might know spiritual things. The word of God that is true has been given us so that we can give an answer to anyone who asks the reason for the hope that is in us and what the hope that is in us. And in order to be prepared, in order to be willing and able to explain the reason for the hope that is in us, listen, you got to know the word of God and you got to know the word of God that is true. We must have knowledge of the word that is truth. So what is the word that is truth? 1 Timothy 2.3, 1 Timothy 2.3. 1 Timothy 2.3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Is that what it says? For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who will have all men be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. 
So simply stated, it is the will of Christ Jesus, God our Savior, that we be saved and have knowledge of the truth. This is the foundation of our faith. The strength and power of our faith depends solely on our knowledge of the word of God that is truth. It has to be true. I hate to hear someone say, you know, God works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. It means you don't even know who he is. He doesn't work in mysterious ways. The mystery's been revealed. Yes, 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 yes. God won't put more on you than you can bear. He says, put your, your, your burden on me. He says, cast your burden on me. So he's going to cast a burden on you so you can give it back to him? This woman lost her husband. He was a preacher. And she said, you know, sometimes God will break your heart to make your heart. Mm. Oh, doesn't that sound, that sounds catchy and clicky. Girl, the Lord broke my heart. But he only did it to make my heart. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. So he broke her heart so he could heal it? We must have knowledge of the word of God that is truth. Mm. The strength and power of our faith depends solely on our knowledge of the word that is truth. Knowing truth does what? It alters your mind. Knowing truth changes your level of awareness. Knowing truth is where your hope starts, but that's not where it ends. Because we also must have spiritual understanding along with what we know. Without spiritual understanding, it is impossible to explain the word of God to someone. How are you going to tell someone about something that you don't even understand? There's a whole lot of them out there doing it too. Colossians 1.9 Colossians 1.9. I'm just about done. Don't want to wear you out. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. How, Paul? In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Is that what it says? So the knowledge of truth must be comprehended with spiritual understanding. But we cannot explain something we don't understand. And if we have spiritual understanding in our knowledge of the truth, then we can give an answer to whomever asks the reason for the hope that is in us. However, this is only possible if you're sanctified and you got the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Because he's the one that fills the soul with the knowledge of his will and gives us the wisdom and spiritual understanding. 1 Corinthians uh, 2.16 says, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. He says this because the carnal mind cannot comprehend spiritual things. Your flesh cannot comprehend spiritual things. That's why you explain something to someone and they're not saved. They don't know what you're talking about. They can't comprehend it because they're in the flesh. They have the mind of the flesh and the mind of the flesh cannot comprehend the things of God. And that's the, what the word of God says. 
The carnal mind is incapable of accurately, accurately knowing, comprehending, and understanding the word of God. Why? Because the spirit of the mind must be converted. The mind must be renewed and the mind must be sanctified by the spirit of God. Then and only then can the mind know, comprehend and understand spiritual things. But there's a little more. Knowing, comprehending and understanding spiritual things in truth is not all. There's more. We must believe. We must believe Spiritual things in truth. Believing spiritual things in truth is paramount to knowing, understanding, and explaining spiritual things. First Thessalonians 2.13. First Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also, we thank God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but how do we receive it? But as it is in truth. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? As it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word of God doesn't work unless you believe it. He says, when you heard the word of God, you didn't receive it as coming from the minds of men. You received the word of God and you understood the word of God as the truth coming from the mind of Christ. And because you received the word of truth and because you gave and he gave you his mind so you could comprehend it. Not only do you know and understand it, you were able to believe it. And when you believe the word of God and put the word of God in action in your life, you will experience the effectual working power of the word of God. Believing spiritual things is the most crucial element of faith. Faith without works is dead. Well, the works part is believing it. Belief is the active ingredient in the substance and evidence we call faith. Oh, but belief does something. Belief places the responsibility of accepting the word directly on those who hear it. Did you hear that? Belief places the responsibility of accepting the word directly on those who hear it. Belief is the activating principle in faith. Belief activates the effectual working power of the word that is true. As I said it before, faith is belief on a spiritual level. Belief activates the word of God. Belief releases the power of God. And when we know the word, when we understand the word, when we believe the word of God, we are motivated then to act according to what we know, understand, and believe. We become doers of the word and not hearers only. James said it very well. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So he says, we must proactively involve ourselves in the word of God. We know, understand, and believe it. We've got to involve ourselves in it. Believing is the most crucial part of faith because it is not until we become believers of the word that we can then become involved in doing the word. You've heard me say this all the time. 
and it's a statement of absolute truth, we humans never act outside of what we believe. If we don't believe it, we will not do it. You can force me to do it, but it doesn't mean I believe it. Our actions are rarely, if ever, contrary to what we believe. Therefore, in order for us to proactively involve ourselves in the word of God, we must know it, we must comprehend it, we must understand it, and most of all, we must believe it. Then and only then can we live each day in hope. We will know, understand, and believe and live according to what we hope for. And we will be prepared, willing, and able to give an answer to anyone that asks us what are we hoping for and what is the hope that is in us. I'm turning the corner right now, Elder. I'm turning the corner. What are we hoping for? And what is the hope that is in us? Second Corinthians 5.1 Second Corinthians 5.1 Paul told the saints For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, in this temporary body, we do groan, being burdened. Not for that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. So this earthly house, this body of sinful flesh that cannot please God, it's going to pass away. And according to the word that is true, the souls who have been repentant of their sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins, and have received the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, shall resurrect and eternally exist in the same kind of body that Jesus resurrected in. And life shall render death And mortality ineffective. This is what we're hoping for. This is the reason for the hope that is in us. Uh Hebrews 11.10. Hebrews 11.10. Abraham looked for a city. Which has foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. So by faith in the word of God. Abraham hoped for a city. Uh And John saw that city. Revelation 21.1. Revelation 21.1 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city hovering, going up into heaven. Just want to see if you're paying attention. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down From God out of heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 2 Peter 3.13 2 Peter 3.13 Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth the sanctified. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. So according to the promises of God, the righteous ones shall dwell on the new earth in the holy city, the new Jerusalem. That's another uh, thing that ain't true. We're not going to spend eternity in heaven. There's no place in the Bible that says we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Because it says the dead in Christ will rise. Well, if I'm already in heaven, why do I need to rise? Why would the new Jerusalem come down if we're already in the new Jerusalem in heaven? 
Since it came down to earth, right? So the new Jerusalem is going to be on earth, right? And the sanctified ones are going to dwell in the new Jerusalem, right? So if the sanctified ones are going to dwell in the new Jerusalem and the new, new Jerusalem is on earth, then where are we going to abide? We're going to be on earth, right? In the new Jerusalem. But you can't see that unless you're sanctified. You can't understand that unless you're sanctified because it's the word of God that is truth. One woman said to me, you mean I'm not going to have wings? I'm not going to be an angel, uh, angel and have wings? Angels don't have wings. Whenever you saw, heard of they talk about angels in the Bible, it says they saw two men dressed in white, right? Now the cherubim have wings. They're a class of angels, right? Well, we're, 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 we're a class of animals, right? But we don't have four legs and a tail, do we? So all angels don't have wings. And the messengers of God don't have wings. So we're not going to be angels with wings. And there are no female angels. Because angels don't have any gender. There's a church in L.A. I don't know if they're still there. But when you walk in the doors, there's a big black angel with wings. Female angel with wings. She's big, she's black, and she's got wings. And they call the church fame. They don't know the word of God in truth. And it's important that you know the word of God in truth. I have not seen nor ear heard. Neither have it entered the heart of men the things which God has prepared them for them that love him. But he has revealed it to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. He's revealed it to us by his spirit capitalized. You see, the carnal mind cannot comprehend what God has prepared for the righteous ones. However, the Holy Ghost has revealed to the sanctified ones what he has prepared for them. What has he prepared? He's prepared the new Jerusalem. He's prepared the holy city that shall sit on the new earth. And those who love God and have his spirit shall dwell with him according to his promise. We are actually going to see God. We're going to see the body of the Holy Ghost that hung on the cross. We're going to see the nail prints in his hands. We're going to see the scar in his side. We're going to see the nail prints in his feet. We're going to see him. One day we shall be with God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We will be with the one who loved us so much. That he suffered, he bled and died, so that not only will we, shall we be with him, we shall be like him. That's the reason for the hope that is in us. And that is the hope that is in us. And knowing, understanding, and believing these spiritual things makes it possible now. Mm. It makes it possible, Sister Nina, for us living in this sinful world to face it with hope. We can endure sickness Mm -hmm. with hope. We can endure the vicissitudes of this life with hope. We can endure hardness like soldiers. We can can handle it. We can stand. We can do it because we've got the God of hope in us. With hope we have peace in this chaotic world. 
With hope we have hope in this hopeless world. With hope we are confident that according to the word of God that is true, all on the horizon there's a better eternal world on its way because we see the signs of its coming. And it's a world without end. So each day, in every way, we live in hope of the glorious appearing of Christ Jesus. And what did he do? He loved us and sanctified us by his word. He's what we're hoping for. He's what we're hoping for. And he's the hope that's in us. And not only is he what we're hoping for, and not only is he the hope that is in us, he's the reason for the hope. That is in us. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for your word that is true. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is meat and drink to our souls. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer?